It's great to be part of this church. Do you feel like you belong here? Belonging, is that's an important word. Could I name to you some words that are not pleasant to the ear? They're the opposite of belonging. Listen to these words. See if you can relate to any. I hope you can't, but I bet you can. Uh, detachment. Alienation. Separation. Estrangement. Disconnectedness. Very uncomfortable words, uh, and yet they seem to be words which are describing uh, an increasing number of people in our day. The experts, sociologists and psychologists who study these things are describing what they call a deep and dark crisis of alienation plaguing modern-day life. People who feel that they just don't fit. Detached, disconnected, alienated, lonely, and estranged. Why? Well, there are some uh, present-day explanations, but I think we have to go way back to the beginning in order to see what the root problem was. So bear with me for a minute or two as I take you there. You see, this is, those words were not characteristic of the way things were in the beginning when Almighty God did a rather amazing thing. He made us. It was easy for him to do, uh, uh, but he did it in a marvelous way. He made us to be in his own image, and that phrase is used only of us. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and in the image of man, the image of God, he made man. It's just extraordinary. That's not said of any other element, any other ingredient in creation, not rocks, not trees, not uh, members of the animal kingdom. Humans made in the image of God. I've mentioned this before, but I think it bears repeating. I think that means he gave us equipment by which we can commune with him. Unique equipment not possessed by anything else in the created world, only by humans, a mind. Think about it. This is such a blessing. Uh, it gives us the capacity to think on God, to comprehend him, to, to, to feast intellectually on the enormity of his uh, perfections and goodnesses. A mind to love God, think on him. And then he gave us a heart, emotions. We weep, don't we, at times? That's just a wonderful indicator that God made us distinct. And we rejoice. We have this flood of emotions, and it comes and it goes. And God gave us this capacity so as to have affection for him. Think about it. We need not be indifferent, detached, or estranged from him. He gave us the faculty, the equipment, a heart by which we could love him. And then he gave us a will. It's just a marvelous thing when we're in control of it, when we have mastery of our wills. He gave us a volitional capacity, a will which says, I will to submit to you and to obey you and to live life your way. So a mind to think about God and a heart to 
love God and a will to obey God. And that's the unique equipment with which we have been equipped. And if you think about it, all three are designed for contact and communion with God. That level of um, affiliation cannot be had by anything else in the created world. I love my little doggies, but my little doggies are just doggies. It's hard for me to say that, but they don't have the capacities God has given us, you see, to have contact with him. And I love the things in the creation order, mountains and trees and lakes and streams, just magnificent and beautiful, and things in the animal kingdom, birds that fly and fish that swim. It's really marvelous, but what God bequeathed to us exceeds all the rest. He gave us the capacity by which we can be in contact with him. But our forebears, Adam and Eve, who represent us, whether we like it or not, made very bad decisions and they misused their God-given faculties. They didn't use it to draw near to him and to attach to him. They used it to detach, to disconnect. They sinned against Almighty God. They lent their they thought through things wrongly. They listened to an evil one filling their mind. He said, has God said? Even the question was designed by Satan to implant doubts in their mind about what God has said. So they got all tangled in their thinking and, and then they saw certain things and it looked good to them and their affections designed for God were lent to other things. And and then they willed and they chose to do things. They violated the one directive God gave them. One, don't eat from the fruit of this tree. And that's the thing they did. And that decision on their part has victimized all the rest to trace our roots to our first parents, Adam and Eve. And their decision has affected us to the extent that a disconnect has come to be our lot in life. This is fundamentally what our problem is. We're living in God's world. We've been created. We're not self-generated, but we are disconnected from the giver of life. And as a result, if you think about it, I think I'm right about this. I, I, I think as a result, every one of us has been on a quest to connect with something or someone. And at the root of all addictive behavior, an undue relationship, say with alcohol or with drugs, or uh, an undue connection to um, uh, uh, sexual behaviors outside the will of God, or an undue connection to, 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 to gambling or to uh, spending or to compulsive overeating. I'm getting close to home, I know, but it's... It's just us here. Don't be offended. We're all chickens in this coop. Nobody's preaching down at anyone. We're all struggling with the same dilemma. And if it's not things, sometimes the accumulation of wealth and fame, if it's not things to which we're trying to relate to, to make up for our a disconnect with Almighty God, then it's people, you know, serial relationships. And uh, it's almost like a form of idolatry. Sometimes we get so devoted to, to a fantasy uh, imagination of what another person could do for us that when it doesn't happen, it's like our God has died and there's no, we have nothing to live for at that point. But everyone, if you think fundamental, if you want to analyze human behavior today, I think at the root... 
It's a quest to reestablish a sense of attachment because we're just floating around purposelessly without any root, roots and aims and connectedness. And so maybe you sit here tonight, you say, I have this sense of not fitting in. Hey, you're not alone. Welcome to the... I'm telling you, I think this is a characteristic of human nature since the fall of humankind in Genesis chapter 3. So that's a big, big problem, you see. And folks, we cannot find a sense of belonging or of acceptance or of inclusion or of connectedness apart from a relationship with the giver of life. That's a true statement. You can't find it anywhere else except from reconnection with the giver of life. And so tonight, in this letter of better, otherwise known as the book of Hebrews, I want to make the point that though there be manifold other things and other people with whom we may seek a relationship, a relationship with Jesus, here's the point, is better than all other relationships. That's the point I want to persuade you of tonight. To do so, let's do a little survey of a few verses in this text before us. It's Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Just a few verses tonight. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. I want to persuade you, as the writer of Hebrews has, I think, persuaded us in times past, uh, Jesus is better than all prophets and that all, than all angels. Uh, Jesus is better than all voices. <laughs> uh, Jesus is better than all men. And tonight, Jesus, a relationship with Jesus is better than all other relationships. Here we are, verse 11. For both he who sanctifies, what is his name? That's the Jesus we're speaking of. Both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that's us's. <laughs> he who sanctifies is Jesus. And those who are sanctified, that's us, followers of his are all from one Father, the same source right there. Both Jesus who sanctifies and those of us who are sanctified by him are all from one Father, for which reason he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them, us, brethren. That's a mouthful. You can chew on that. Uh, it can nourish your soul. Both he who sanctifies, almighty, lofty, high and lifted up, resurrected, we just celebrated resurrection, resurrected Jesus, he who sanctifies, and we who be sanctified are all from one Father. And because of it, he, the sanctifier, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. That's a family term. So many, as I mentioned, feel apart. But God's intent is to give us the privilege of being set apart unto him. And that's what's behind the concept of sanctification, to be set apart. Do you feel apart? I have a solution. Jesus said, I came to set you apart unto me. 
Believing on him means belonging to him. You don't have to feel cut off for one more moment. So this connectedness, uh, it does not mean sinless perfection. Some have a, that notion of sanctification. I don't think that's right. I think at the root, sanctification simply means that God has put his stamp of reservation upon us. He has essentially says, that is my property. He has set us apart from, the, you feel lost in the crowd? Wait just a second. You've been set apart from the crowd to be one stamped with a stamp of ownership by Almighty God. I don't know what solutions the experts, the sociologists and psychologists are suggesting for increasing sense of alienation and estrangement, but I know what the solution is. You can belong like never before if you believe like never before in the merits of Jesus Christ offered through his death and burial and resurrection for you. You feel lost in the crowd he can find you in the crowd, and he could put his stamp of ownership, sanctification to be set apart unto Almighty God. And I know this isn't a Greek class, but I just want to get you excited about this. See those words, sanctifies and sanctified? Both are present participles. The only reason I tell you this is that means what he's doing doesn't end. <laughs> Present participle means it's not a one-time deal. It's not Jesus, the sanctifier, said, I'll give it a shot. If you respond up to par, I'll keep going. Oh, no! It means he's continuously and regularly in the business, if you will, of setting us apart unto Almighty God. And we are regularly in the process of being set apart unto God. That is what, when will it end? When he brings the process to the completion, either at our home going or at his return, whichever comes first. In either case, it ain't so bad, is it? In either case, our destiny is assured. So here is the connection. We lost way back when, but can have through Christ Jesus, who, in fact, it says right here, doesn't it, is not ashamed to call us brethren. I find that remarkable. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. I don't know what painful rejection messages you have received. We all have to some extent, some to a greater extent than others. Abuse is a rejection message. Abandonment is a rejection message. Do you know if you're a young person and you have a parent who dies early when you're just a child, you may have taken that even as a rejection message. Sometimes young children say, if my dad, my mom loved me enough, they would still be here. Of course, that's not the right thinking, is it? But I'm telling you, that's what happens. Sometimes that stays with a person on into adulthood. Sometimes people give very, very stern rejection messages. Sometimes, I'm ashamed of you. I wish you were never born. I hate you. Terrible to say that, but I know some here have heard that. So I don't know specifically what rejection messages you have uh, perhaps received from significant ones in your life, but I do know this. The Lord Jesus has absolutely no shame in acknowledging you as part of his family. And there's healing in that. 
There's healing from woundedness in that. The way to be healed of a rejection message is an even more immense acceptance message. You got it if you're a Christian. I don't know what you've heard from earthlings close to you and perhaps who should have been better for you, but I know what you have heard from a heavenly being who came to earth <laughs> to connect with you and with me. He said, come to me and I will in no wise cast you out. <laughs> Believing in Jesus means belonging to Jesus and belonging to Jesus is no cause of shame for him. He loves you. I shared this one time, but it just popped into my head. I remember when I was a high school kid, we were at a football game. It was against our arch rivals. I was in the stands. This may surprise you, but I wasn't quite big enough to make the team. <laughs> Might surprise you. So, but I, I could root for the team, which I did. This was a big game, and a guy on the team was quite an athletic kid, did really good. Uh, towards the end of the game, it was tied up, recovered a fumble from the other team, I tell you this. Uh, and then uh, uh, he ran it, uh, we thought, into the end zone, but he spiked the ball, according to the ref, prior to crossing into the end zone. The other team recovered it as a live, recovered it as a live ball, a fumble, ran it all the way back into their end zone. Time ran out, they won the game. It's over. This kid's father was sitting in front of me in his customary place. He would always be there rooting for his son who typically did good. Sometimes he was the hero of the game and I used to see the kid's dad go run out onto the field as soon as the whistle blew and grab onto his son, you know, and they'd walk off together. It was just a beautiful scene. But that didn't happen on this occasion. I saw the dad do this. And then he got up and he walked away at the end of the game. I saw him go into a parking lot, get into his car, and drive home without his son. He left his son behind. He was ashamed of his son, I take it, because his son fumbled. Have you fumbled? Worse, you've sinned. So let this grab you in spite of it. The Savior, the Lord Jesus, contingent on your faith in him, is not ashamed to go off with you on into eternity. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. <sighs> Have you gotten a rejection message? Take a very healing, greater acceptance message. Though all may have left you. I remember reading in the Psalms one time, somewhere in the Psalms, you could look it up. David said, though my father and my mother reject me. <gasps> Can you imagine a rejection message from the people who birthed you? It's possible. Ought not be, but it is sometimes. He said, though my father and my mother reject me, still the Lord will take me up. Both he who sanctifies and the ones who are in the process of being sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he, the one who does the sanctifying, is not ashamed to call us, the ones in need of sanctification, brothers and sisters. Oh my.
Jesus is not only the solution to human sin, he's the solution to the uh, intense human sense of estrangement, disassociation, uh, alienation, disconnectedness. Jesus is the solution. And a relationship with him, I'm telling you, is far better than all other relationships could possibly be. God is the father of Jesus, and he is our father as well, though not exactly in the same sense. God is the father of Jesus by origin and nature, and he becomes our father by adoption, you see? So let's not confuse things quite too much. At any rate, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. So we humans were made to be in a relationship, connected to Almighty God, and it was supposed to be a peaceful relationship, not characterized by fear. And just as he walked with our fair forebears in the garden in the cool of the day, so too our communion is to be with him. But the cord between us and him has been severed by human sin and we have felt a sense of disconnection, I think, ever since. But through Jesus Christ, we've been enabled to reconnect. So we who are in Christ Jesus have been brought into an entirely new relationship with the God from whom we have hitherto been estranged. So key people in your life, sadly, may have recoiled from a relationship with you, but I can tell you this, the Lord Jesus, in spite of his lofty position, does not recoil from identification with you. In fact, he willingly and unashamedly calls you brother or sister. And what's more, he not only thinks of you as one of the brethren, he speaks it. To whom? <laughs> to whomever on earth or in heaven is willing to listen. You see, he not only wants you to know he is so glad to be in a relationship with you, he wants others to know as well. That's why it says he's not ashamed to call us brethren. So he came from the Father as son by origin so that he might make us to be sons and daughters by adoption. That means Jesus Christ and those who believe on him are one. You belong. Believing means the benefit of belonging. If you're a believer, you belong. Your hunger to belong, to associate, to be included, to be connected, it's a human hunger, can only be satisfied in Christ Jesus who offers a relationship far better than all others. Jesus, God's only begotten Son, has become one of us in order to make us one with the Father. And specifically, he became one of us in order to set us apart, to sanctify us unto the Father. And now the writer of Hebrews offers three quotations of Old Testament texts to expand upon this truth. Here's the first, verse 12. I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I'll sing your praise. You know where that's from? Psalm 22, verse 22. 
If I told you how it began, you'd be familiar with it. Here's how the psalm begins. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's popularly known as the crucifixion psalm. Those are the words the Lord Jesus uttered from the cross. That he would do this has been foretold by the psalmist way back in Psalm 22. The writer of Hebrews is making this accurate application of those words in Psalm 22 to the words of Jesus from the cross. It started with the suffering Messiah. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then it ends in a note of triumph in which he says, I will proclaim your name. Father, says the Lord Jesus, I will proclaim your name to my brethren, Christians, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll do this in the midst of the congregation uh, the Greek rendering of that word is church. I'll do this in the midst of the church. Those called out from the world in which they feel so disconnected and estranged. I'll call them out from the world. I'll give them a place of connection in the congregation, in the church, and in that environment, I will sing your praise. What does that have to do with our connection to the Lord Jesus? He and we have in common this appetite to praise the Father. See, this is an evidence of the fact that he is one with us. Do you know who the key soloist is in all of our worship gatherings? Do you know who the song leader is? You know the one who gives impetus to our uplifted voices of prayer and praise? It's none other than the God-man, the Lord Jesus. Right there it says it. Second quotation, verse 3, I will put my trust in him. That's from Isaiah. We're back in Isaiah, chapter 8. Here the writer of Hebrews applies it to the Lord Jesus. Listen to me. When you read the Old Testament and look to discover Jesus in it, you're on good ground. Apparently the writer of Hebrews did the same thing. He's taking Isaiah 8, 17. He's applying it to the Lord Jesus. Who said, I'll put my trust in him? Here's a second thing, which is evidence of our unity with the Son. The first, we are all inclined to worship the Father together. Second, he had to show his confidence in the Father. Remember when he said, said in the garden, let this cup pass from me. However, not my thing, your thing. Let your will be done. Remember when he said that? That's in essence him saying, I trust you. I put my confidence in you. And in that, we have fellowship with him. We worship the one true God together, just as the Lord Jesus did. And we must put our trust in him, the same God, just as the Lord Jesus did. And then the third quotation and again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. That's from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. And the writer uses it to identify us as children given by the Father to Jesus. I and the children whom God, I, Jesus, and the children, the believers, whom God, the Father, has given me. He uses a family term. Do you come from a dysfunctional family? Let me answer. Yes, you do. Everyone do. Since Genesis 3, be done. It just was a bad deal in Genesis 3. And no family has functioned the way it was intended to since. That's the way it is. You said, well, my family's really good. Yeah, in comparison to others, I'm sure, but you don't know what it's really supposed to be like, and you won't till we get to heaven. 
You just, but that's just. So this family, so whatever is the measure of dysfunction in your family. Oh my goodness. God the Father is your Father and bequeathed to you. Please allow me to put it this way. To your elder brother, Jesus. Now I show no disrespect here. You just have to, you're going to have to handle this. Me too. Listen to me. The one who is our Savior and who is our Redeemer, the one who is the Good Shepherd, is also our big brother. You're going to have to accept that. What does that mean? It doesn't mean lack of respect. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's all of these things. The Father has given us to him <laughs> as little children. You ever have a big brother? Today I had lunch with my oldest son and my youngest son. Big brother and little brother. It was neat to see. They used to fight all the time. It was neat to see big brother. Kind of proud of little brother. And then big brother wanted little brother to go off with him to do some errand. I couldn't believe this. My wife and I used to spend most of our days trying to keep these guys apart. <laughs> Big brother, little brother. It's not quite the same. Jesus is God. Not bringing him down any more than he was willing to be brought down. He was brought down in the form of man so that he could be one with man and woman who feel so terribly disconnected through our sin that we need an elder brother to bring us home to the Father. And that's what the Lord Jesus, that's what the Lord Jesus has done. You may have had key people in your life who have chosen to separate from you. You ever wonder, when will the Lord Jesus do that? Well, I'll give you the answer. Never. He will never. Do you belong to him? He will never dissociate himself. He'll never disown you. He will never reject you. No, he will not. Because he is that loving elder brother, that loving big brother who loves all us little brothers and sisters, who stands by us, who sticks up for us, who takes joy in being connected to us. Let me, let me make this adult size. That is assurance of salvation, for crying out loud. We're in the family. <laughs> and we have a big brother who's not going to let us go. So to those who feel alienated and estranged, disconnected, disassociated, take a look at the Lord Jesus, please. He's willing to connect with you. He's willing to give you that sense of belonging you inherently long for. He is unashamedly willing to call you by name. He knows my name. John Mark, that was beautiful. The story, the song, he knows our name. He's willing, unashamedly, to have that connection. So he associates with us in the congregation of worshipers. He associates with us in the congregation of those who trust the Father. And he associates with us by declaring a very common family association. Behold, I and the children whom God has given me. The family of humankind is feeling increasingly alienated. I must tell you, it's not rising gas prices, which is our biggest dilemma. It's a rising incidence of alienation in life. And while all this is happening, there is a God standing by, 
with an intense desire to build a family, an eternal family. In fact, the entire Bible, all 66 books of it, is really the story of God building a family. Are you part of the family? You can be. Believing in the Lord Jesus as personal Savior is the way for belonging to the family of God to be ushered in. I tell you, you can pursue relationships with things, possessions and positions and people. You can, if you will. But a relationship with big brother Jesus, the Savior, the agent of creation, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is far better than any other relationship. When I was a new believer, we used to sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family. I'm so glad I'm a part of the We're very imperfect. Let's, sometimes we offend and hurt one. Come on, that's true. That's true. But the family of God is the best organization to belong to. The best. There's no better. I would rather belong to the congregation of those who worship and trust in the Lord Jesus than I would be rather belong to any other. I am so glad I'm a part of the family of God. You, I've been washed in the fountain, even cleansed by his blood. I'm telling you, I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Connection as we travel this side.